ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Owl's Nest Week 2 of Self-Quarantine. Hope everybody out there is staying safe, washing your hands, avoiding all the uh, unnecessary contact, c- contact uh, that there is out there. Jake, uh, how's the uh, self-isolation treating you? Sure. Well, uh, it's only going to, you know, from this point on, I mean, uh, I'm in Michigan myself, and we just got locked down uh, statewide for three weeks, and it could go on for even more. So the best we can do is make the best of it. So on uh, today's show, we're actually going to be an uh, exciting show here. I'm really excited for this one. We're going to be talking first about the newest hero that was just released on the PTR, Echo, coming out as a DPS hero. And uh, I think at least uh, of the people that I've talked to, a lot of people were expecting maybe a support hero. We're also going to be talking about the Chinese teams and Seoul finally getting a chance to take the stage this week. 16 matches. It is going to be a weekend of epic proportions. Uh, all matches, of course, being played online. Uh, so why don't we go ahead and start out with Echo then. Uh, Jake, I have to know, first impressions, what were you expecting and you know what do you think of what we've seen and what you've got to try out so far? Yeah, sure. So uh, as, far as, as far as what I was expecting, I, I was with everyone else thinking this hero would probably be a support. Um, but I'm really glad she's a DPS, selfishly, because that means I get to play her a lot. And I think she's a hero that really suits me, so I'm, I'm really happy to see her. And, and I think she's a really exciting hero for Overwatch. Um, so what is it about her that, that really excites you, or, or you think that is going to make her uh, you know, sort of stand out in the sea of other DPS heroes that we have? Because a lot of people are saying, you know, we need more tanks, we need more support. There's already enough DPS in the game. I mean, the obvious answer is that she's um, is the ult, right, that sets her apart, and the ult is this mm-hmm. really game-changing, really, really different uh, ability, which is super exciting, and I think for the game really interesting. It adds this whole new layer of counterplay. Um, but at the same time, I think what's more exciting to me about the character is just her base kit is so unique and different from the other DPS heroes. Um, you know, there's heroes like I don't know, a hero like let's say a hero like Ash that comes out and it's like, yeah, it's a new hero. It's got some new elements to its kit, but at the end of the day, it's still a hit scan hero that mostly stands in the ground and and shoots hit scan. Um, and we've already got a few of those, so it's not all that different. Uh, but Echo is really, really unique to play and, and really has a different feel than all the other heroes, um, even before you, you engage the ultimate, which really, really changes up um, the way the game is played, right? As choosing which hero on the enemy team that you want to become and how you want to use their abilities. Uh, I think it's, it, it's going to make the game really, really fun and um, really, really fresh, especially just because this this ult really changes the the game entirely. You have to think about: Do we even want to pick that hero, or else Echo might copy that hero, and you know, then that adds a whole a whole level of gameplay. I think it's a little strong right now. It seemed that way. That was my first impression. <laughs> that, uh, but I haven't played so much since they patched the uh, super jump. So without the super jump ability. Um, that, that bug getting fixed. Now the flight is the flight's still powerful, but it's not going to let you, you know, escape for free from any situation or across the entire map. So uh, overall, I'm I'm pretty excited to play this hero in, in ranked and in uh, higher rated games because it's been really really fun on the PTR. 
Now, I don't think that we've ever had a DPS hero that when it first came out was widely accepted or played within sort of like the the meta. I mean, obviously Sombra became very strong, but even when she first came out, I think she was mostly overlooked. Do you think that Echo is going to be one that as soon as she hits the live servers, you know, people are going to start finding ways to integrate her into composition? And what do you think those compositions might look like? Um, I think she'll probably be played pretty quick if she doesn't get touched with the way she is now. I think her, her raw damage output as a hero is is really really exceptional uh, i will say though doomfist was played a lot when he came out but he was also completely broken and was rapidly patched to be like when the punch hit the original punch hitbox was absolutely massive it was very hard to miss with the punch like you could not dodge it it was just too big even if the person didn't realize you were dodging they would probably still hit the punch um, so, so that's the only other hero like that actually has been, as you said, coming out on DPS that's actually played a lot, you know, when it comes out. And that hero had to be nerfed. So I hope Echo doesn't have the same fate in store. She seems really, really powerful, especially with the beam. Um, I think the sticky bombs are incredible burst, but they're it's very, very difficult skill shot. If you want to actually one shot a 200 HP character, you need to land them all. Um, which is really, really quite difficult. So, I mean, unless someone's standing still, it's not really going to happen all that much. Um, yeah, see, I was I was actually wondering, because to my knowledge, besides obviously Widowmaker hitting a headshot, uh, the old hog hook was the only other sort of, you know, real quick one-shot sort of, uh, uh, you know, combo that I could think of being in the game. Do you think that the Sticky Bombs may end up being nerfed, or do you think that that skill shot is high enough that a lot of people aren't going to be able to hit I think it? the skill shot is so high that, like, outside GM, no one's hitting it ever, and inside GM, people are hitting it less than 5% of the time they use the skill. So it's like, I think it's way too hard to use to be to be that that strong um, uh, as far as like one shot kills go the other factor is i believe if you get healed after the bombs stick onto you then you'll live with like one hp so the, only, the 200 combo is like all six bombs and the connection damage from the bombs it gets you to 200 so even if as long as your team is like spam healing you and you're in a safe spot then the echo won't be able to finish you off um so I, I really don't think that that this ability is broken. I think if there's anything that's broken on this hero, it's got to be the the E, the focusing beam. That that, that was going to be my next question. I actually think that that's... I, I don't like people's suggestion that they nerf the ult because I think the ult is really crazy and fun. And, you know, all the suggestions like, oh, if you die in the ult, then you just die. I don't know. I think that really sucks. And it's like, okay, well, you can't go in. Like, if you get, like, Genji or something, you're like, you can't really... It's, steal the fun characters anymore like Genji and go in because you don't care about dying and you can just use the blade well you can't do that anymore because now you might actually lose your echo so you echo would have to, you'd basically be perma picking up tanks on um, on the copy and you wouldn't really do anything else if you if you actually had to risk your life to copy um, but I think the beam is it's it's such an interesting ability right because the conditional is not easy like getting somebody to half HP is not like free necessarily um, but the power, once you do have them there, is extraordinary. You just, like, almost nothing in the game can stand up against 200 DPS and a tracking beam. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you look at a Genji or a Tracer, if they're at half health, they're dead in one second if you get that beam on them, basically. Yeah, I found if you sneak up on people, you can just press the beam, and, like, they won't even react in time if they're less than half HP. Um, just because it's, well, I mean, I guess that's BTR, so it's not, like, the highest rated players, but... Even once you play against high rate players, I think the burst potential of this is really extraordinary to like kill tanks that think they're safely and you know have a good amount of HP. Uh, you can just burn through um, 
pretty much anything in the game. Um, so I think this 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 beam ability will be the real key to the hero, um, especially if she's mercy pocketed. It really is an extraordinary amount of damage. Um, so if there's anything that gets nerfed, I think it probably should be that. Um, nerf the upgraded DPS to like 150 or something, 200, I think the hero would be fine. Uh, maybe a little less potent. Um, but so you know, uh, I don't overall, think then I, let's let's see, let's let it play. Let, let me abuse some rank games for a while. Don't don't nerf <laughs> it right away. I'm trying to get some free SR. <laughs> All right, so that's basically be my last question. Then you know, a lot of people right now I think are crying. Either they love her or they hate her, and those that hate her say she's too OP. So, do you think in her current form right now that we have enough information to really know if she's overpowered or not? Um. I would say I think she is overpowered relative to the other DPS. I think if she, she might be like a hundred percent pick rate type of hero, um, just for the raw. Like usually, heroes with that much mobility cannot break shield faster than McCree, and this hero breaks shield faster than McCree. So it's like, wait, why, why not play her? Like she's insanely mobile, <laughs> and she has one of the fastest shield breaks in the game. So even if, like. One useful exercise in Overwatch, I think, is to always compare what happens if two heroes stand behind a Reinhardt and just hold M1, like, who wins, and nobody moves. Um, or not M1, but necessarily, but using all their kit to deal max shield DPS. Um, and, and Echo wins not even close. Echo dominates. Um, so when the hero has that much, you have the mobility to chase kills, and you have this insane shield spamming potential, I think... Those two, those two things combined might make this hero very, very dominant. Um, but you know, hey, it's fun. <laughs> as a, <laughs> well, that's as a always totally a non-biased mind, projectile DPS player, <laughs> I'll say that this hero does not need any nerfs. <laughs> All right, well, it's probably going to be a few more weeks before she hits live and a few more before she goes into competitive. But we're looking forward to, forward to it, and as always, we'd love to know what you guys think. So make sure that you connect with us over on the YouTube comments, Twitter comments. Find us at CheckpointXP on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. You can find Jake at JakeOW on Twitter and myself at Robbie underscore LandisCP. Coming up, we're going to talk about what we can expect from some of the Chinese teams now that they're finally going to get a chance to uh, show what they have this season on stage. We appreciate you watching if you happen to be catching us on uh, YouTube or if you're catching uh, the premiere on the Outlaws Twitch channel. Thank you so much for watching. And uh, you can also listen and download this in podcast form. You can find that over at CheckpointXP.com and get us just about wherever you get your podcasts, including Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, 
and Spotify. So for the first time since the start of the season, we're in, uh, what is it, week six or seven now, and we still haven't got to see uh, the Hunters, Dragons, Charge, Spark, or the Soul Dynasty officially play yet. Uh, this weekend, 16 matches, an epic broadcast uh, coming at us, and uh, finally, we get to see the Chinese teams and the Seoul Dynasty take the stage. So we're going to talk about what we can expect coming out of them. And uh, I want to start with the Chengdu Hunters. They finished 12th place, or at least 12th seed last year in 2019. And uh, Jake, looking at this sort of new... The way that the meta sort of works now with the hero pools and how things can kind of be fluid and fluctuate from week to week, the Hunters were a team that didn't really stick to what the meta was a whole lot, right? And they've made some small changes in their personnel. What is it that you're expecting from the Hunters once they get on stage? Well, I think that's the big question this season is, will they... I mean, I think Goats was a bit of a unique circumstance in terms of the meta. Like, I hear a comp that was very, very different than any other comp, and that absolutely slaughtered everything. Um, so it was this weird situation where, you know, like, do you play this comp that is dominating everybody, or do you try to make um, an alternate strategy successful? And they did a a great they're you know the most consistent team with like those alternate strategies but the other thing about this team that i i remember from playing against them is we could never beat them playing goats against their dive comp like they were they were way better in that matchup but when we just got mad and started mirror matching them and just said like all right fuck this they're too good against goats they understand the matchup too well we're just going to mirror match dive then we usually beat them like pretty consistently even though we didn't really practice that comp they didn't practice the mirror match either so it wasn't to me it didn't seem like they had like insane dominance on in terms of skill on those heroes so personally i think this is going to be a rough season for them uh, i don't expect so much out of them maybe maybe they'll prove me wrong um but personally i think they had a lot of success last season um out of really understanding the matchups that they played and understand and being really really difficult to practice against because they played a different comp but i think that became an advantage for them uh, over time as they you know committed very very hard to it um and this season the question is will that actually will they have be able to do the same thing will they be able to create a similar advantage by playing a strange comp i think with 2-2-2 it'll be a lot harder to do that um, I think a key element of playing a fundamentally different strategy than your opponents and like beating them by having a totally different game plan than them that they don't really understand, um, like for playing dive into goats, you know, you just have a totally different game plan than goats and you have to just execute that. But in 2-2-2, I think any game plan has to be at least a little bit more similar to each other than they did before, before roll lock came in. Um, so I think it'll be a little harder to be like to a, a team that just goes totally out of left field. Um, and the other thing I think about this team that makes me um, a little worried is you've got you've got hero pools, right? So if they have some weird off the wall strategy that is different than other teams, they might lose some heroes from it and be forced to adapt week to week, just like everybody else is. And um, like, I don't think they're the most flexible team. That's the thing. Like, they, they had their, their weird comp they could play, but they weren't that good at, like, traditional GOATs um, until very, very late in the season. They didn't really play it or practice it. Um, 
So where do you think within the team that their weaknesses in playing some of these different roles lies? I mean, Jinmu uh, specifically, I feel like, has a very deep hero pool. Um, but, you know, Aemeng played a lot of the Wrecking Ball through last season. And near the end of the season, he did show that he had at least some chops, you know, playing the Reinhardt. But where do you see the biggest weakness of their roster? Well, I mean, I think beyond Jinmu, they, I think a lot of the players in the team, uh, beyond Jinmu, I would say Elsa, both have like fine hero pools that like can play whatever they need to play. Um, beyond that, I guess there's the question of like the new, the, the new DPS they've just picked up, um, or, or new players they just picked up, like can they, can they change some of that? Um, I think Yang Xiaolong and GQ Ren were both players that had pretty limited pools. So maybe they have a little bit more flexibility this season that enables them to maybe stay with the meta. Um, we could see changes. I mean, and that's the reason. It's a good point, though. I do think I do agree. Like Jinmu is really skilled and has a broad hero pool. But it seems like in the modern Overwatch League meta, you need like literally every single player on your team to be like to be that way, not one or two of those players. Um, so I definitely they have those bright spots. I agree, but I don't know if it'll be enough to compete with, especially the other. Chinese teams, which I think are really, really strong this year. Well, uh, next one on the list here, we have the Shanghai Dragons. Now, they finished 11th uh, seed in 2019 last year. Uh, they had a very, very good run through Stage 3, winning the Stage 3 finals, but the roll-lock and meta that came after that seemed to send them back to the bottom. They've actually lost quite a few. They uh, they released Youngjin, Gamsu, Koma, and Envy, but they picked up uh, Fleta, Li Zhegan, Stand 1, Void, uh, LIP, and Fearless. What do you expect out of the Dragons? Are we going to see, you know, sort of the, the return, like the Stage 3 Dragons, where they sort of start to surprise everyone and make a name for themselves? Stay where they are, or could they backslide? I think this is a totally new Dragons, and I think they're going to come out absolutely swinging this season. I think this team's going to be really, really, really good. I think picking up Void um, and picking up Fleta, those are like the two biggest pickups in my eyes in the offseason. Um, I think this team could be one of the best in the league. I think they'll definitely be the best Chinese team this season. Uh, and that, but that's just looking at roster, right? Like, you know, there are those X, X factors of the role, role lock and, and hero pools and whatnot. But I think a player like Fleta can really shine under the, the conditions of hero pools. He was always having great success on, um, you know, a broad variety of heroes across hitscan, projectile, flankers, like really all categories in DPS. Um, Fleta has had success. So I think he'll be a player to watch for sure on the Shanghai Dragons. I think Void was huge for... Um, the Gladiators when he was on that squad. Um, so I, I think these are really, really good pickups, and I think they have a stable base as well to start off. So uh, this is a team I, I, I expect to be the best Chinese team um, just from roster. But obviously it's all yeah, with a green assault, given that they haven't played yet. But uh, that would be my... Yeah, we'll get the roster myself. Sure. Uh, I, I definitely agree on the stable base part, and I think unlike some teams that you know have sort of that stable base who, so long as... You know, everyone's healthy and happy and, and, and good to go. You should be fine with, uh, you know, looking at Shanghai's roster, they have a very deep sort of, uh, uh, you know, bench pool to be able to pull from as well. So uh, I'd love to see the, uh, you know, the Dragons sort of return to sort of that stage three sort of form. But you're right, brand new Dragons should be a great show. Uh, the Guangzhou Charge here, they finished ninth, second best of the Chinese teams last year in 2019. They've released uh, Hotba, KYB, and Rise. Fraggy Bishu as well, but I don't think that either of them actually uh, got any stage time uh, with the charge. But they've also picked up Neptuna, Waya on support, and Krong on tank. Uh, what can we expect from Guangzhou here? Um, 
be honest, I think the pickups are really interesting, especially picking up Neptuno um, to add another Western player to this squad. But Nero has had a ton of success on this team, so it seems like whatever system they have is working well um, in terms of integrating these players and, and making making the overall roster succeed. Um, you also have Shu, who I think is you know one of the. I think there's just a few players on this on this team that are actually super underrated. Um, that make me think this team will be, in my opinion, probably the second best Chinese team. Um, but um, like, and those players, I guess, to be specific, would be would be Happy, um, Shu, and um, Rio. I think all three of these players, in my mind, are like best in class for their role. Um, Happy for like hitscan DPS, especially Widowmaker. Um, one of the best in the league, like top, I don't know, three or top five on Widow, especially. Um, I'd be comfortable saying top three. I mean, this guy's Widow is, is absolutely freaky to play against. Um, Shu as well on the flex support. Huge, huge playmaker for his team. Um, comes up big on every flex support, so not an issue for him to play hero pulls. Same for Rio in that regard, playing tank, but really playing all the rules on tank just perfectly. Um, I think this team has, like, they're not as big of a roster. They don't have as many people as some other teams. Um, but I don't think there's any reason they can't be one of the best in the league. I don't know much about Krong. That's, like, their my X factor for them in terms of off-tank. But um, I think if their off-tank is performing, then they have everything else that they need for sure. All right, so, so far then you said uh, you put Shanghai at the top for the Chinese team, uh, Hunters at the bottom, and Guangzhou probably the second, which means that you're putting Spark about at the third. Which surprises me. I mean, they finished fourth last year uh, overall. They were only four wins behind Nixel, five behind the Shock, and they haven't changed a whole lot of their roster. They released Crystal No Spite in Revenge, picked up Mika Coldest on support and Otto on DPS. Uh, what is it about the Spark after having you know done so well last year, but in my opinion, kind of you know were a little bit underrated? What is it about this this year that doesn't inspire as much confidence as what Shanghai or the Charge do? Well, I think um, I'm pretty confident that I think Shanghai will be really strong and that um, Hunters won't be as strong in terms of the Chinese teams, but I'm not at all confident on who's better over Spark and Charge. I think these teams are both really, really strong. Um, I think they're a lot closer to Shanghai than Hunters are, uh, in terms of strength in my mind at least. Um, I think Bazzi and God's B are really, really good. Um, I guess Otto is going to be their projectile DPS player, um, who is fine, fine on that role. Um, you also have Sasin, who, who can flex to the DPS role. Um, and, you know, IDK and, and Bebe, all, IDK especially always looks so, so good. Um, and then Dushe and, and Rhea. Both good players. Yeah, I mean, you're right. I'm just looking at the roster right now, and I think this team will be really strong. Like, I don't know. It's just it's really hard for me to. It's hard to compare this team to Charge. I think um, because I think their strengths line in different places, but there's such a big question mark for these teams now with the hero pulls. Like, we haven't seen them play with hero pulls. We don't know. We don't know what they're going to do in response. We don't know. Are they going to do it with roster? Are they going to do it with um, keeping the same roster and, and and adjusting on an individual player basis? Um, we just don't know like how they're going to approach it. Um, but you're right. I, I think there's no reason this team won't be also really strong. And, um, I don't know why I'm just so big on charge this season. I just think this is going to be a big <laughs> one for them. But um, Spark also looking really dangerous as well. 
Yeah, no, it should definitely be a very exciting weekend. And uh, finally, you know, we touched on them or talked a little bit more about them last week, the Soul Dynasty on last week's episode. But just really quick, wanted to run through them again. Uh, how do you think that the Soul Dynasty is going to stack up against these four teams? I think Soul will, will definitely be able to to hold their own. I don't think they're going to be, um, you know, a pushover squad by any means. Of course, you add profit in, you better expect him to be delivering in a big way. Um Bidosin has always been a little bit hot and cold, but if you give him the right circumstance, he definitely has the skill. Excuse me, he definitely has the skill to succeed. Um, Michelle, I think, is is one of the most, or one of the best off tanks, um, and also one of the most underrated um, in terms of like in the past seasons and whatnot. Um, I think he has really a high level of skill on every off tank, um, especially Diva, of course, the dominant off tank. The real question mark for Seoul is how these um, ex-London Spitfire players fit in. Bedos and Profit and Gesture. Um, you could easily argue that these are like uh, that these are the best players from that that the, the original um, Championship London Spitfire team, like the strongest individual players on that squad. Um, so I think the question mark for me is basically how those pieces fit into Seoul Dynasty. Um, but as long as there's no issues and they're just able to perform, um, the only roster question mark for me is who's stepping up to play alongside Profit. Um, is it Fitz? Is it Illicit? You know, for, for each meta, for each hero pool. I feel like Profit has to be almost a permanent starter with how broad his hero pool is. Um, but it there's definitely a little bit of quite Like, there's no one on this roster. I mean, obviously Profit is a good Widow player. So maybe he'll be the Widow player. He'll be the core hit skin. Um, maybe that's what they're looking to do. Uh, but all these players on the on the Soul Dynasty roster are, are known pretty heavily, f- known for playing um, projectile or, or just flex DPS heroes. Um, they're not they're not specifically known for being like that main DPS hit scan player. Um, but I know Profit absolutely can do that, so I'm assuming he will be the one to to go into that role. Uh, but there are some question marks for this team, like as far as how they're going to field the, uh, their DPS. Well, those are questions that hopefully will be answered this weekend. Uh, again, 16 matches. It's going to be uh, one epic week. Uh, not going to be a whole lot of downtime if you are an Overwatch fan. We're going to talk about some of those matches coming up here in just a moment, including our must-see matches of the week. Did the Octane cosplay. That was a thing. I'm probably going to leave that in the past. But if Psyonix wants to supply me with a high-quality Octane cosplay, I'm not going to say no. Cardboard Octane. I just want that in the game. If Psyonix can get that Cardboard Octane in the game, that would just make my life. Shake it.
everybody for sticking with us, guys. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure that you are following us on social media. That's Checkpoint XP on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Jake at JakeOW on Twitter. And make sure that you give him a follow and turn those notifications on over at twitch.tv slash Jake underscore OW. So just as a reminder here, the hero bands going into this week are still going to be Winston, Soldier 76, Sombra, and Lucio. So we'll try to keep those in mind as we're talking about what these matchups could end up uh, delivering for us. But first, we need to start with our matches of the week. So given that we have 16 matches, 8 each day to go through, we decided that just coming up with one match of the week isn't quite enough. There are going to be at least two that we want you guys to make sure that you watch so that you can, uh, you know, sort of be up to date on what it is that we're going to be talking about next week. And the first of those is going to be the Hangzhou Spark versus the Guangzhou Charge. Now, uh, the last segment here we talked about, you know, both of those teams kind of in the middle. I, th- I, th- I think you're right, Jake. I think both of us are expecting Shanghai to hopefully be, you know, the more dominant of the Chinese teams. But, uh, you know, Hangzhou coming in fourth seed last year shouldn't be any pushover. And Guangzhou basically has a completely rebranded roster. So when you throw these two teams in the mix, what are you expecting from them? Is this even one that, uh, you know, you can confidently call one way or the other? I think given the hero bans this week, I believe that this will be the week of the Widowmaker. I think Widow is going to be... Maybe we'll just see, like, the the McCree and the May as expected. But I, I actually think... Somehow or another, Widowmaker is going to absolutely dominate this entire week. I think no Lucio, no Winston, and no Sombra take out three of the strongest counters to Widowmaker in the entire game. Um, I think Hammond is a little out of favor right now. It's a little too hard to get value consistently on the hero um, in a 2-2-2 setup. So... Uh, to be honest, I think this is going to be a, a real, a real exciting matchup. But I think it's going to be like Happy versus Bazzi on the Widowmaker. But when you're talking Widowmaker duels, I'll take Happy over literally anybody else in the whole world. <laughs> I think this guy is—I don't like to say anybody's the best in the world on a hero, but he—he he is in my mind the best. I mean, I, I have to give it to him uh, in terms of just pure consistency and and potential on Widowmaker. I've never played against somebody as good as Happy, so I gotta give it to him, gotta give him the respect. So I think if if it comes down to, if I'm correct and I'm in predicting the meta and there's a lot of Widow, then I think Happy's gonna bring this home. But I think it's gonna be a close one. I don't think Bazzi's any pushover on the Widow either. Also an insanely strong player, so Sparks will fly to be sure. <laughs> Sparks will fly indeed. I actually think that I'm going to gonna go the other way. And it's not that I don't even necessarily disagree uh, with your analysis or your prediction either. Um, I think that the Spark having a deeper roster and having five other DPS to draw out of, I'm hoping that they come into this. And even if the Charge do end up having, you know, a little bit of a lead, they take, you know, the first map or, the, uh, or first map or two, it's my hope that the Spark have more than a few tricks up their sleeves and hopefully have an answer or two that they can potentially fall back on. Uh, the second match of the week that we're looking at here is the Guangzhou Charge, Guangzhou again, versus the Shanghai Dragons. Now, we uh, both you know, talked about how we think that Shanghai may be the strongest of the Chinese teams here. So what are you expecting coming out of this match, uh, especially, again, taking into consideration that you think that Widow may be very dominant in this meta? You know, Hero Pools make this so interesting because, on the one hand, I would generally say, looking at the rosters, I think Shanghai has the stronger roster. I just think Happy would be the best Widow in the server, again, against Shanghai. So, um, I think Flutta is, is, is a strong Widow player, but I think Happy is better. And, and if that's what it comes down to, then I think Guangzhou has a real chance to upset 
um, with how impactful Widow Duels are. Like, if your Widow is winning a lot of the duels, like 75% or more of the duels, the game is almost impossible for the other team. Like, they almost can't play if there's not dive heroes in the, in the meta. Because taking out heroes like Sombra, Winston, and Lucio means you aren't getting to the Widow. If she's far away, you aren't going to get on top of her. She's going to have, like, 20 chances to shoot somebody. And a really good Widow player is going to hit, like, half of those. So... You just like you have to widow duel. I, I just don't see a way around it. And if you're and if one widow is popping off, it can just have such a huge game impact. So um, this is a weird one because I would say Shanghai is stronger, but I almost expect Guangzhou to upset. But maybe I'm going too crazy on this prediction. Maybe I'm not. I just feel like Widow has to dominate the meta with with these bands, but um, or has to be perma played, but. We'll see. Maybe, and there's also the map question, right? Like, if you go to a map set that has some of those really close range th uh, engagements, then you know some of these dive heroes might actually still be able to just run over Widow, or even just a McCree fighting her in mid range behind a Rhine Shield uh, might just be too much. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. I think I would still think Dragons are the stronger team, but I almost, almost think GZ is going to upset. All right. So, are, are you leaning more towards Guangzhou for this matchup as well, then? It's tough. Like I, 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 I gotta, I gotta <laughs> predict the dragons because I said dragons said time and time again the dragons are the stronger team, and I think they'll find a way out of this to get a win, even if, uh, even if Happy's going insane on the Widowmaker. I think they'll they'll find their way out of it. Yeah, I feel like I, I feel a bit safer also leaning towards the dragons. You know the old saying, Fleta is meta. So uh, looking at the rest of the matches to watch here, again, there are tons of them, but a few more of the ones you know that we think you should pay uh, particular attention to. The San Francisco Shock playing their first match coming in here. The Los Angeles Valiant, while still you know an overall rookie squad, I think are definitely going to be looking at making a big splash here. How much of a chance do you think uh, the Valiant have going up against the 2019 champions? I'd give them 30%. 30% to win. I think, okay, it's not, I think it's not a 30 terrible. match. Or maybe maybe even closer. Maybe 35-65. I think this match is a lot closer than people think. I don't think it'll be a stomp. I have some faith in the LA Valiant boys. We'll see. We'll see. I don't think they're going to win. I don't think they're going to win. But I think they'll definitely take some maps. And I think it's possible for them to upset. But Shock needs to beef a little. Like, Shock beefed a little against Fuel. They weren't looking untouchable against That's the Fuel. That's true. Yeah. So... I think against the Valiant, you know, it's it's that's a stronger team than the Fuels. So, uh, Shock, you know, it depends though, because usually Shock, I think, it has the right responses. Like when they, if they aren't as dominant as they want to be, they're going to be back in the lab in a big way. So, uh, with this hero pool as well, let me think about what this does for these teams. Um, no major, no big deals for either team. I think both teams have flexible main support. It's not going to be an issue to not play Lucio. Um, yeah, I don't think the hero pool matters too much for the. I don't think it really gives either team a big advantage this particular week in that matchup. So I think it could be could be closer than people expect, but I, I still think Shock will take it. All right, so then the other uh, good one that I'm looking at, uh, well, first of all, they're all going to be great, but I think the other one that I'm looking forward to is the Paris Eternal versus the London Spitfire. You know, uh, London, another rookie squad, has been showing, you know, some spirit this season. And the Paris Eternal, there's a few times I feel like, you know, we wanted to put them in the conversation of being one of the better teams in the league right now, but when they lose, they lose big. So between these two, do you think this is a chance for Paris to, you know, gain another win, or do you think this is a chance for the London Spitfire to once again sort of show that we may be new to the main stage, but we still have what it takes? I think Paris is the better team here, um, but I'm very interested to see how FD God does off Lucio, right? He's been 
insane on the Lucio, if not the best in the league on the Lucio in the, in, in the last um, few weeks. But he's gonna have to play something else this week, um, or they can sub him out. I guess I don't know what the who they have who they have on the bench behind him. But I'd expect he'll probably play. Usually, main support is your main caller, so you don't really want to switch that that role. It's not really such a good idea. I just think FD out off Lucio is the only real issue for Paris, but I think they also looked like one of the best teams at this McCree May Ryan strategy um, before Hero Pools came into effect. So I, I think that if the meta goes back in a similar direction with a similar core of heroes, then Paris should still be stronger. So I think I'll give it to them. But it's gonna be a good yeah, I'd, I'd also say that, that Paris would be the safe choice, but I think that London, uh, you know, again, has the spirit and has the spunk to uh, to upset uh, just about anybody at this point. So we'll see what ends up going down, guys. But that's going to be all the time that we have for today. Once again, please make sure you connect with us on social media. We'd love to hear from you and know who you're rooting for this weekend. Uh, thank you, Jake, uh, for joining me once again. Remember, guys, to always stay on that payload. <laughs>